Welcome to the High Income Business Writing Podcast, helping you propel your writing business to a whole new level. And now, here's your host, Ed Gandia. Hey there, and thank you for joining me for episode 69 of the High Income Business Writing Podcast. My name is Ed Gandia, and this is the podcast for business writers and copywriters who want to take their writing businesses to the six-figure level or the part-time equivalent. As a quick reminder, you can find the detailed show notes to this episode by going to b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 69. So today I'm going to be addressing the topic a little differently. You know, I usually have a very short monologue where I introduce the uh, uh, the folks that are, or the person I'm interviewing, and um, I get right to it. Today, I want to preface the two interviews, short interviews that I have today with some kind of surprising and alarming statistics. You know, um, what's going on in the economy, I'm, I'm, I don't really talk too much about uh, politics and the economy. In fact, I stay away from some some politics at all in social media and in, in, in this episode, um, just because it's so controversial. We're so polarized as a country these days. It's just impossible to even say anything without uh, people just getting all upset. And, you know, even though there's forums where that's certainly appropriate and desirable, I found that it just doesn't really, uh, there's nothing constructive that comes out of it when I do it or if I do it in my social media account or, um, you know, in, in this podcast or other similar forums. So I've pretty much stayed away from it. But, you know, there's a component here that, um, I think it's too important to ignore and, and it really has, it can be charged with with political uh, commentary, but I'm not going to do that um, because to me it has nothing to do with politics. It has nothing to do with party affiliation or anything like that. And this is the um, the topic of education, and specifically, I'm talking about education in North America. I can't really speak to education everywhere else, but I think this is a problem in most industrialized countries. So, just bear with me. And uh, if you're somewhere in Europe or Australia or somewhere else around the world, I think some of this will resonate with you. And let me start by just kind of firing off some alarming statistics. So in the U.S., roughly 8.5% of college graduates between the ages of 21 and 24 are unemployed right now. That's the class of 2014. These kids are having a heck of a time finding work. Um, the uh, Economic Policy Institute, I think it's what they're called, EPI, have found that 16.8%, and this is even more alarming, 16.8% of new graduates are underemployed. So by that, uh, they're either jobless and hunting for work or, or they're working part-time because they can't find a full-time job or they're in a position that doesn't require a college degree. In other words, they're they're just out there, but they're not where they want to be or need to be. You know, That's how I define it. The, the article I read defined it more broadly, but I think it was a little silly. The, the point is these, these kids are not where they want to be. Um, among 22-year-old degree holders, who found jobs in the past three years, more than half were in roles not requiring a college diploma. And that's quite alarming. You know, more than half are in jobs that, you know, that's got to be demoralizing, right? Okay, great. I just spent the last four to six years of my life, you know, doing this. And I'm $30,000 in debt or higher. And I am in a job that doesn't require what I just 
uh, spent all this time and money doing. That's, man, way to be motivated, right? Um, something else here. Let's see. Graduates of the class of 2012, and this is the latest statistics I have. I don't have anything more recent, but uh, the average these kids owed in terms of student loans was $29,400, according to the Institute for College Access and Success. So these kids are $30,000 in debt, and the debt in the U.S. for student loans has now topped $1.2 trillion. Okay, it's a new level. In fact, uh, Mark Cuban, the billionaire uh, entrepreneur, Mark Cuban, late December came out saying, hey, you know, this is uh, this easy money. In, in student loan debt is um, it's gonna it's a bubble that's gonna burst and uh, we're gonna have some serious problems in this country and um, not only that but colleges are gonna go out of business because the only reason that there's demand is because there's money to be had and to be lent to these kids and you know I would add that I'm not sure if I agree entirely with Mr. Cuban but what I would say is this uh, it's unsustainable I mean how can you create a system where uh, tuition is going up uh, at many times the cost of living every year. And the kids who are coming out of school can't find work, can't find the work that uh, they need. I mean, they're, they're finding work that doesn't require a college degree. I mean, how how is that sustainable? How will you keep motivating and encouraging people to go to school when um, that's the best that can happen? So this is, this is very worrisome. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you, and, and just bear with me because I'm, I'm going to get to to our, our interviews today, but but I, I believe that I need to set this up the right way. And I think this is a bigger topic than than just, you know, freelancers kind of coming out of school or kids who are coming out of school who are thinking about freelancing. This is a bigger, more important topic. Um, and my wife and I are currently rethinking the education of our children. Um, I've been talking about this, writing about this and thinking about this for many years. I really believe in North America, we're still trying to prepare kids for a world that no longer exists. You know, our educational system was set up in the uh, in the 19th century, and um, you know, we just perfected this in the 20th century for uh, for a command and control workplace. We were basically training kids to be great workers in a factory environment, in a corporate environment, environments that. I don't know a better way to say it. It's command and control, right? You're in a huge organization. You're a, you're a cog, um, and that's no longer the world we live in. Um, you know, Sir Ken Robinson has one of the most popular TED talks out there. I'll include links to all this in the show notes. By the way, um, woke me up to this uh, several years ago. Where our schools are killing the creativity of our children. There's a new documentary just. It just came out, and I'm dying to see it. Um, I just watched a trailer this morning called "Most Likely Most Likely to Succeed," and I'll include a link uh, in the show notes, and you'll see. Watch the trailers if you do anything. You know, it's 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 alarming. Um, and, and where I'm going with all this is, you know, I really believe that freelancing or contingency work is the way of the future, and that's not just my opinion. Uh, many leading experts and economists. Uh, <laughs> Are saying that's just that's where we're headed, you know. Uh, but the trouble is that if you're fresh out of school and you have no contacts and no rele- relevant experience, how do you get started as a freelancer? You know, how will you get your break if no one is willing to give you a break? You know, it's easy to talk about the strategies we 
discuss in this program. Admittedly, right? I, c- I can talk about this all day long. And if you have a few years of work experience under your belt, right? You've been out there as a professional. Uh, it doesn't matter if you haven't freelanced yet. If you have a few years under your belt, you can make things happen. You have a few contacts. You have some relevant experience. But what do you tell a kid, 22, 23-year-old kid, who the best he's been able to do is, you know, work part-time at, um, you know, in a retail environment to kind of cover bills while he was uh, in school, you know, just to just to kind of like get some income coming in. That's, that's the only experience he has. The only contacts he has are his parents' friends, you know, and even that is, is a little uh, fuzzy. So, in this episode, what I'm doing is is I've found and actually found several people, but I I wanted to give you a, um, a two different perspectives, and you'll find a lot of similarities in their discussions. But I I'm interviewing two young freelancers who face the same dilemma a few years ago when they were just coming out of school. You know, they 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 knew what they wanted to go out on their own, uh, but they had no experience, no portfolio, very few contacts. How do you get started? Most people wouldn't even consider it, and most people who consider it give up very, very easily. Uh, so the first person you're going to hear from is Tony Sherba, and Tony started out doing internships uh, while he was in school, and he was building websites um, uh, at the same time. And today he's grown into the president of a company called Yeti. It's they're a very successful San Francisco-based design studio. It's impressive what they've been able to build. He and his team. Uh, and then uh, Brianna Ford is the other individual, and Brianna is a freelance writer who started her career uh, with an unfinished degree. She had very little experience and very few contacts, and today she has a successful and growing freelance business where she creates content for businesses and bloggers. She also does some social media management as well. So Tony and Brianna share their individual stories with me in today's show, and what I wanted to do is in order to get the most from each person in, in their story, I decided to do the interview separately. So you're going to first hear from Tony, and it's about 15 minutes or so, and then I'm going to bring Brianna in, and you can hear her story as well. Both are wonderful. I encourage you to listen to both. This is useful and inspiring information and insights, even if you're not in this particular situation, because you know I think even if you've been at it for a while, the underlying lessons here are not necessarily about being young, and inexperienced. They're about starting anything big from scratch, about creatively reinventing yourself and working through big obstacles. It's it's about not giving up when others are dropping like flies and about doing the non-glamorous stuff at first, even if it kills your pride, even if you're demotivated um, by when, when you do that. So anyway, with that, let's go ahead and go to Tony's talk first. Hey, Tony, welcome to the show. It's great to have you, man. Thanks, Ed. Happy to be here. Yeah. So, uh, but, you know, before we get started with your story, uh, tell us a little bit about the kind of work you do today. You know, what's your business like? What kind of work do you do? What kind of clients do you work for? Absolutely. So we're based in San Francisco. We're a development and design studio is uh, the best best way to describe it. Uh, We've worked with uh, startups, you know, mostly mostly now well funded ones. Uh, early on, not not so much, um, and enterprise companies like you know we've worked with Google and Hershey's and Qualcomm, uh, you know, 
pretty pretty big names. Um, and we build, you know, our, our bread and butter is building uh, websites and applications, uh, you know, to work with with the different products that these companies are are making. Uh, but recently, actually, have been uh, getting into kind of R and D and uh, you know developing with uh, you know what everyone's calling the Internet of Things right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, working on some really really kind of cool cool projects, uh, integrating with hardware stuff stuff like that. I wish I could actually talk more about it, but uh, usually usually we're covered under a lot of NDAs on that stuff. You'd right? have to kill me. Yeah, I hear <laughs> yeah, you. yeah. So you know, I know you got started when you were pretty young, and um, I'm I'm interested, very interested, to hear your story about uh, how you got started, the challenges you faced as as a young guy starting out with little experience, very few contacts. So, kind of walk us through how that how that happened. Totally. Well, I could I could go way way back, um, but I'll cover uh, I'll cover that real quickly. Uh, basically, been building websites since I was like kind of 14, 14 years old, um, but you know not very not very quality ones. Uh, they've been they've been getting better as time has gone on. Um, but you know went to went to school uh, for for computer science and, and business um, and. You know, was was luckily at a school that really promoted uh, internships and stuff like that. Um, so you know, was able to get a was able to get an internship. They called them co ops at at my school, um, but was able to get like a couple a couple internships and you know build build some websites, build some uh, connections there, and basically you know did a did a ton of free work. Uh, and then as I was graduating from school, uh, myself and my business, my business partner now, uh, Rudy, we were, we were developing, developing applications for, you know, on the side and doing different things like that, websites, et cetera. Um, and we ended up, we ended up forming a company because it made sense. Uh, we were in Boston at the time. We moved out to, uh, we moved out to San Francisco. Uh, the company's called Yeti. And we've basically been, been kind of building it and growing it. And uh, now we're making, you know, making over a million dollars a year. Uh, we have, you know, our own office, uh, our own like building uh, here in Soma in San Francisco. And uh, you know, 11, 12, 13 employees. Uh, you know, we work with a lot of freelancers, so it's kind of, uh, <laughs> it's a kind of a mystery there as far as the, the exact number of people on the team. Yeah, but that's still impressive. I mean, you're working with some amazing clients, doing great work. Uh, I mean, you got your own office down in San Francisco, uh, and you started basically just doing some intern work in college. I'm curious, how, how did you convince your first few clients to give you a chance, right? Because I understand that, yeah, you had some practical experience with some work you were doing as an intern, but how did that, you know, there's always that big chasm you have to cross, right, to get your first set of clients. How did that happen? Totally. Uh, I would say it's, to be 100% honest, doing free work. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I, I ended up, 
you know, putting some, putting some stuff up on a, on a website. Cause the thing is, is you got to get that, you got to get that body of work for anybody to, anybody to trust, to trust you and to give you money to, to do work for them. Uh, you have to have something to kind of back it up and, and make sure that they're not getting, you know, to have, to have them feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I was at my internship, I threw together a web page, uh, for the company, for the company I was at, you know, kind of just on, on my free time. Cause I wanted to, you know, wanted to be able to make something, make something for them and show them build, start building that portfolio. Uh, you know, my friend was starting a landscaping company, so I built him a homepage. Uh, you know, I built a bunch of just joke sites, things like that. Um, but you know, had to had to build out that body of work before people started being like, "Hey, I'll I'll pay you for that." And then even even the first the first stuff we did was you know just really uh, you know wasn't really making a lot of money on it. Uh, you know, one of the first freelance clients I had paid me like you know a thousand dollars to uh, to build this whole big website, which took a ton of time. Um, And that, that person ended up, you know, starting another company and, you know, later on down the road, that was a hundred thousand dollar plus project uh, that ended up coming in. So, you know, just that's, that's building, building the connections is, is, you know, really, really what you got to do. And it's, it hurts at first and you're, you know, you're not making, you're not making a ton of money, but, you know, building out that portfolio is way more valuable than, than bringing in the cash early on. So how, how did you pay bills? I mean, so in this phase where you're, you know, maybe getting 500 here, a thousand there, nothing there, how, how did you manage? To yeah. Well, so being, being in college, you know, you kind of have your, your track. And then luckily I was, uh, I was at some internships that like paid me some money. Um, but you know, living, living cheaply and, uh, you know, living cheaply and just getting that body of that body of work done, uh, was good. I mean, yeah, there were some, some months where, you know, you bring in, you bring in a hundred bucks and that's it. But those are the months when you're in college, you know, you're not, you're not going to the bar and, and drinking a lot. You're, you're kind of hanging out at home, you know, and if you're having beer, it's a six pack of, uh, you know, the cheap stuff. So Schlitz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hear you. So, all right. So it sounds like, um, and, and, and I, I love this. Right? It's I'm a big believer in just getting creative. You know, when you're starting out, you do what you have to do. A lot of people say, well, yeah, but you shouldn't do free work. You know, it depends on the context, right? I mean, you're trying to build something. You knew why you were doing it. And that's the important thing. So um, you, you, tell us about how you got to kind of a, a more sustainable level. How did you go from zero and $1,000 to a more sustainable level? Was that a gradual thing or did you find that it happened pretty quickly? Uh, definitely, definitely a gradual thing. Um, and, and I think the biggest, the biggest thing is, you know, going out and going out and making the connections. And I think like a really important part of an important part of the puzzle for, for us was, you know, we, we started generating friends that were doing the same thing as us, uh, you know, or, or a similar thing, you know, they were, they were on their own. They were, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, they were hunting and killing for themselves as well, you know? Uh, so you kind of, you kind of create like a little tribe around, uh, you know, around what you're, what you're doing. And, you know, 
we were we were mostly developers, um, and so you know we had friends that were doing design work, uh, and we had you know other people who were you know doing you know different different types of development work, and so you know in in freelancing consulting, uh, when it rains, it pours. When you have when you have a lot of work, you have a lot of work, and so having having friends is having friends and other people who are doing freelance work. Uh, you know, you can kind of share when you when you have a big a big project you're working on, or you know, you have too many projects come in at once. Uh, you know, people pass work pass work around. So, uh, you know, developing starting to develop that uh, you know that network and like that deal flow. Uh, you're able to start getting a little bit more choosy and a little bit more choosy and a little bit more choosy and then picking, you know, better and better clients as, as time, as time goes forward. And as you build your, as you build your portfolio out. And then, right. Whatever. It sounds like a lot of the overflow work you were referring out, uh, you know, things you couldn't take on or wasn't right for you anymore. You would refer out to others. Yeah, exactly. And like, it would, it would also, it would come to come to us or it's, you know, it's just it wasn't our specialty or it wasn't their specialty, but it was it was something we could do. So, you know, for instance, like we had, you know, graphic design friends who were building uh, building a website and they needed, you know, they needed some developers that could help them, uh, you know, transport the data over and, and do that. And so we, you know, we were able to get we were able to, you know, get a small project to to do that work uh, with them. So I'm curious about the 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 time span here uh, from the moment that you started doing some of this uh, pro bono work right in college mm-hmm. until the point where you say you and your partner would say you were a viable business, you know, you're doing okay. Maybe not getting uh, Qualcomm, but you have some decent accounts. You bring in cash in the door. How long do you think that took? I mean, give, give us an idea. <laughs> well, we, we still joke, uh, you know, are we, are we a real business yet? Uh, you know, <laughs> so there's never, there's never sort of that, that moment. You've of never a, arrived, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You never, you never think that you, uh, have, have truly, have truly gotten there. There's always, there's always something else to do. Um, but you know, we, we gradually started building, uh, started building things, building things up. Um, and I guess, you know, from the from the first time I did any freelance work was probably midway through college, uh, and then when it felt like we were really when things were really turning at at Yeti, uh, we you know it was probably two three years, but it, you know it wasn't it wasn't strictly working on on freelance work. It was you know more of a a gradual gradual thing building building up that body of work. Uh, you know, while while working in other in other areas, gotcha. and and being in college, yeah, yeah, <laughs> which which as you said, right, it it definitely helped. Uh, so I, I guess that as we wrap up, what advice would you give someone who's just starting out as a freelancer? They're fresh out of school, they got very few contacts, uh, not much in the way of a body of work. Right. But but they know they want to go in this direction. They don't want to kind of follow the traditional path. Uh, what would you tell them? 
Um, I would, I'd say you've got to, you've got to build that body of work. So do, do whatever you can to build that body of work. You know, if you, if you absolutely need to, uh, you know, if you absolutely need to like make money, like, you know, get, get a job somewhere, but maybe not a full-time job, you know, um, build, build that, you know, spend time building that body of work and putting and putting it out there and then building, building the connections. You know, there's one thing that we found is that there's, there's actually so many, uh, there's so many organizations out there that are, you know, connecting people that are doing these freelance, freelance type stuff. Um, you know, I mean, we, you know, as a business right now, we still like, you know, are going out and like looking for people that can come and help us out on, uh, you know, when, when we're tight on projects. Um, and so there's a ton of, there's a ton of those types of things. And so, you know, look, look in the city, you know, in the city that you're in for meetups, like meetup.com, uh, you know, there's a ton of different newsletters, stuff like that. Um, so do that and then do, do whatever you can to build, to build the body of work to show like, you know, Hey, if you pay me money, then you, you get something. So, yeah, no, I, I like that. I like that. This is, this is great advice, Tony. And where can listeners learn more about you and more about Yeti? Totally. Uh, so you can go to yeti.co, uh, Y-E-T-I.co. Uh, that's, that's our site has, uh, you know, again, has, has our work, has our portfolio of work on it, uh, which is how, how we get, how we get work. And still, you know, to this day when we're taking projects, we look if, you know, we can put that, put that in our portfolio or not, uh, and, and continue to build it. Um, so yeah, check, check it out there. Beautiful site, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, and thanks. We're trying to work on more blog content too. So there, there should be some, some more stuff in there as well. Cool. Cool. Tony, thanks for coming on. This is, this is great. Very inspirational. I appreciate the insights. Okay. So now let's go to my interview with Brianna Ford. And again, Brianna is a freelance writer. She started out um, kind of halfway through college and um, she had very little experience, very few contacts, and she leveraged what she had. Today, she has a successful and growing freelance writing business. So you'll see some uh, kind of a different uh, perspective here, but notice all the similarities here. And uh, they, they both you'll see that they both leveraged what they did have, uh, both persisted, and uh, both knew there, there was a way. I mean, they didn't give up very easily. So anyway, with that, let's go ahead and get to Brianna. Hey, Brianna, welcome to the show. So good to have you here. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. You know, this is um, this is a really interesting topic, and I know a little bit about your story, and I, I know it's very inspirational. And before we get to it, uh, why don't you give us a quick summary of uh, what your freelance business is like? What, so what kind of work do you do? What kind of clients do you work for and so forth? Sure. So uh, most of what I do is freelance writing. Um, so I connect with either businesses or bloggers who have a website and need some content on it. Uh, I also do freelance social media management. So if somebody needs um, their profiles managed and web design, if somebody would like to either get their blog started or even a full site going on. Gotcha. And, and what types of clients do you typically work for? Um, it's been really all over the place. Uh, when I very first got started, it was mostly personal finance bloggers, um, because that's kind of where 
my clientele was based from. Um, and I've written so many different topics. Uh, one of my clients does breast enhancement pills. Um, I've written for people, uh, pediatricians or relationship coaches. Uh, it really just varies from all types of fields. Wow. That's yeah, it's pretty diverse. And yeah, and a lot of blogging, right? Yes, um, definitely. I think that's the base. Um, that's the bulk of my clients. So today we're talking about uh, how you can get started as a freelancer when you have very little in terms of contacts, experience, a track record, a portfolio. I know you faced that challenge when you were starting out. So wh- tell us a little bit about how you got started and what specific challenges you were facing uh, when you were trying to go out on your own. Sure. So uh, I kind of got pushed into freelancing. Uh, It wasn't anything that I had anticipated doing. I was unexpectedly laid off uh, from a job where I started as an intern, was promoted full time. uh, And a couple months later, I was laid off and it came at such a bad time. I had just gotten engaged. We were about to move. Um, And so even though I was, you know, I got a severance package, I really needed to make money fast while I was looking for a job. Uh, So I started thinking, you know, what kinds of skills can I bring to the table and what can I do on the side while I'm still looking for work? Uh, Thankfully, I knew a couple people from my previous job uh, who were personal finance bloggers. And so I said, you know what, I can write. Um, I've done writing before and maybe I can help write for their site. So uh, it was literally just like throwing caution to the wind and saying, you know, I can at least ask. That's um, a great way to get started. And that's really how everything got started. So it, it, tell me a little bit about the experience you have up until this point in the, uh, I guess, the, the corporate world or, you know, corporate America. I mean, when you said you were an intern and then you got promoted uh, to a full time position, how long had you been? And this was like your first big job, right? Right, exactly. It was my first corporate job. I had done a lot of internships. Um, I had interned maybe the first two years of college. And I actually got really burnt out with school. Um, I dropped out after my sophomore year. Um, I knew I wanted to start working right away. And just school wasn't really interesting me that much. And there was so much else going on uh, in my personal life. And I just wanted to get started working. Uh, So a lot of my unpaid internships uh, turned into experience for me for social media marketing. And so I have found one that was paid uh, with the company. And so I interned with them, I would say about five months before I was uh, offered a full-time position. And the internship was full-time hours. Um, Mm -hmm. I started, I think it was about 32 hours a week. Uh, And so that was, it really was my first entry into the corporate world. It was a private company. uh, And so I was 19 when I got hired and turned 20 while I was there. So I was definitely the youngest one there. Very young. And uh, so total time. Five months as an intern, and then how long, roughly, would you say you were there full-time as an employee? Uh, I would say about four months. So I started like late April of that year, uh, got promoted to full-time in September, and I was laid off uh, the following January. Wow. So you're 20 years old. You got less than a year of, of experience out there. Uh, and he, that's that's a tough place to be in, especially if you're trying to start trying to start from scratch as a freelancer. I'm curious, how right. did you, you know, you're approaching some of the the few contacts you did have 
how did you address your lack of practical experience in your field? And, and how did you convince them to give you a shot? Uh, I was just honest. Uh, right before, I, maybe a week before um, I had gotten laid off, I started blogging. Um, I was, like I said, I was newly engaged. And so I started a blog called 20 and Engaged um, and kind of connected with some of the people that I was working with at work uh, just to kind of share like, hey, I started a new blog. Maybe you guys would be interested. And so when I wrote the day that I got laid off, um, I had wrote a blog post, you know, it was called 20 and laid off and just kind of explained what was going on. Um, I, when I reached out, I told them, you know, I'm sure that you guys read what happened in case you didn't hear it is. And I was just honest. I said, you know, I don't have a ton of experience, but I like to write. I like to research. And if you give me a chance, you know, I would definitely do whatever it takes to get started. And they did. It sounds like some of them did. Yeah. So it was, it was such a relief because, uh, like I said, I mean, I've met these people virtually. Um, a lot of the people that I had reached out to weren't local. Uh, so it was based off of just online interaction. And so a couple of them did give me a chance. Um, and then that actually snowballed because uh, because I had reached out to just like a handful uh, when other people in the personal finance community needed uh, freelance writers or staff writers, uh, they would ask for recommendations. My name would come up. Ah, uh, okay, okay. So, so tell me a little bit more about how then you you kept getting more clients, or how, how did this snowball eventually into kind of a full fledged business? Uh, so the personal finance blogging community, it's it's a tight-knit community, but it's enough people to where uh, there's multiple opportunities about um, just around the internet. So when people's blogs would start growing a little bit bigger than them, they would start asking each other, you know, hey, do you have a staff writer? Do you have somebody who will ghost blog for you? So in, if they are burnt out or if they don't know what to write about, uh, but they still want it to be under their name, they needed somebody to write. Uh, and some people, they do look for writers that are cheaper. Uh, so a lot of people will look for writers from like the Philippines or from India because their price is lower, but it's a lot more editing involved because English wasn't their first language. So they were looking for somebody who was affordable, but who could also provide some good work. So word of mouth was everything for my business. If it wasn't for that, it wouldn't have grown to what it is now. And how did you end up getting clients kind of outside that that personal finance sector? Was that word of mouth and referrals? Yeah. So all of my business, thankfully, has been through word of mouth, 100%. Um, I've never had to, after um, getting started, I've never had to ask someone, hey, are you looking for a writer? It's always been um, my friend recommended me. I heard your name come up in this circle, et cetera, et cetera. So I've been very thankful for that. And, and how long have you been doing it to this point? Uh, since the beginning of 2011. Uh, so this will be my fourth year going into freelancing. Yeah. So you definitely have good momentum. You know, you're, you're, you're past kind of that first year where a lot of the, uh, the big obstacles come your way. Right. Right. Especially if you're young. Exactly. Why do you feel you, succeeded despite everything you had going against you, you know, little experience, you're very young, um, right. You, you needed to, to make something happen very, very quickly. It just gotten engaged. What do you think were the biggest reasons for your success? What, what, what are they? 
Uh, one was that I desperately needed it. Uh, even though I was looking for work and I was getting unemployment, it definitely wasn't, you know, paying the bills and what I needed in order to keep a roof over me and my husband's head. Uh, so I needed to do it for us. So it was, it was kind of like a fight or flight type of thing. And I just decided to fight. I was willing to do a lot of assignments that people most likely wouldn't have wanted to do, especially people who had already started blogging and they had did the basic, uh, I guess, the introductory information and they were tired of talking about that. I was willing to talk about it because it was going to pay my bills. So just being willing to do kind of like the dirty work, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, how do you feel about your business today? I mean, now that you've been at it for four years, it's word of mouth marketing. You know what? Are, what are your plans? How do you feel about where you are today and where you want to take it? Uh, I definitely think that I'm in a good spot to grow. Um, I think that for a long time I just kind of underestimated what I can do because I was so used to uh, the same types of assignments. And so now, what I want to focus on is growing. Uh, including my client base because I now have like a system to go on um, where I was starting from scratch. I didn't want to take on too many clients because I didn't want to seem like I didn't know what I was doing. And so now that I kind of have some experience under my belt, I want to grow it so that I can take on uh, bigger assignments or uh, even charge more, which was something that I really had an issue with um, getting started. So for somebody who's listening, who's in that position you were in four or five years ago, right? They're young, they got no contacts, no track record, no portfolio, but they know they want to go in this direction for whatever reason. What would you tell them? What advice would you give them? Uh, I would tell them get started. I think uh, the best thing for people to do because once you're once you're starting to look for freelance work, so many places are going to ask you for writing samples. You don't have to wait until you have somebody to give you an assignment. You can just start writing about something. I think that uh, when somebody asked me to give them a writing sample because I didn't have a portfolio, I just looked at okay, well, what kind of business do they do, or what kind of work are they going to are they going to look for? And I just went and wrote something just then to send to them. Um, so just get started and just start building one. You don't have to wait for actual samples of work that you've done for somebody else. You can just do one specifically for them, which actually works better because you can give them an idea of what to expect from you. That's great advice, Brianna. And, you know, for, for people who want to check you out, want to learn more about you, your writing services, where can I send them? Yeah, definitely. You can send them to my website, which is Um And I write there just you know, just kind of personal information, but also like what I go through as far as being a freelancer. Awesome. Well, listen, thanks for coming on the show. This is uh, this. What a great story. No, thank you, Ed. I appreciate it. I appreciate you bringing me on. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed those interviews in this discussion. And you know what? I'd love to hear from you in the comments area of this episode. And I guess I would have one question for you. You know, if you've been at this for a while, you've been freelancing for a while, knowing what you now know, what would you have done differently when you got out of school? And let's say that you came out of school and you went into a traditional job. Um, If you were forced to go freelance, knowing what you now know, what would you have done? What would you have tried? And how much would you have tried? 
love to hear from you in the comment section. Of course, if you know of someone who could use this information, uh, someone out there just starting out, whether they're fresh out of school or leaving a corporate environment or a more traditional uh, job environment, um, would be I would be very appreciative if you shared this show with them. And the best way to do that is by using any of the social media buttons that you'll see on the show notes page. Again, b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 69. So that brings us to the end of the episode. Again, I'm your host, Ed Gandia. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you have an awesome day. The High Income Business Writing Podcast is a production of B2B Business Launcher. Learn more at b2blauncher.com.